Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 14. I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, man? I'm doing great, Phil. You know, it's been a long weekend. I feel like it's been forever since we've seen racing, since it was all last week. Yeah, I mean, when the Cup Series runs Thursday night and they basically had a long weekend to their, what is going to be their last weekend off until the end of the season, uh, you know, and then no other major series outside of MotoGP on Sunday uh, morning here, of course, uh, you had a big layoff. Of course, we had other NASCAR series race at Kansas. Both all three major series ran, trucks ran twice. We'll also talk about MotoGP at Jerez, which uh, saw Fabio Quattararo win again. That'll be part of the uh, GSP roundup. We'll also discuss the IndyCars and uh, their schedule, what it looks like will be the, the balance of their 2020 season. We'll discuss the choices or races they they have and uh, also kind of start getting into the Indy 500 because we're a month away, less than a month away from the Indy 500, which is just awesome to say. And then uh, we'll also talk about DTM. And after that, we'll go into the races this weekend, which is Formula One at Silverstone, Cup at New Hampshire, IMSA at Road America. Okay, so first off, we'll go to the Superstart Batteries 400 at Kansas Thursday night at Kansas Speedway. Danny Hamlin gets another win uh, this season, his 42nd career Cup Series win, I believe. And uh, it was, uh, you know, your run-of-the-mill cookie-cutter deal, Josh, uh, you know, I, I would look at I look at this because the way that Kevin Harvick looked at late in the race, he was making a run and he had a car at Texas as well. And, and you, Denny Hamlin's been up there all year. In the end, who can beat? We can talk about we talk about what you thought about the race. But I think the first question is, who can beat these two guys at the end of the day? Once we get past this regular season, which is only a month away from ending. Who is out there that could actually give these two guys a real fight to possibly win this Cup Series championship or the weirdest Cup Series championship battle there's been in God knows how long? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with our second and third place finishers from last week and Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex Jr. I think Brad Keselowski has been pretty good since we came back from the COVID break. He's been getting a lot of top tens, and it seems like now he's starting to lead a lot more races now, and he's finishing top five. And he certainly had a shot at the very end of that race uh, to win, come back and win. Uh, I think he, you know, he just ran out of time, and you know, clean air being a, a factor as well. I, th- I think um, he he had a real good shot to win that race, and probably maybe if they had maybe. 10 or 15 more laps at the end of that one, he might have gotten up to the bumper of Danny Hamlin and really given him a, a challenge for that lead. And Martin Jurek Jr. also led uh, 44 laps in that race. And certainly it was a factor all night. He just kind of came up shorter then. And he could have also been up there. I think maybe he was starting to get faster at the end because I think he had the um, best uh, tires at the end. He just was a little too far back. But, you know, it was a cookie-cutter race, like you said, typical cookie-cutter race at Kansas uh, you know, there's a lot of action um, with wrecks and stuff, 
and we saw Ryan Priest almost flip over onto his roof, um, but you know he had a um, really bad crash, and I'm glad he's okay. But you know it was just um, a lot of clean air up front and a lot of uh, three wide in the back. It seemed like. Yeah, when you when you basically have to have everything happen on restart, you're gonna have that kind of deal and clean air for god knows how long since they went to the gen i think the gen four cars um that's been an issue with clean air and especially at cookie cutters and nascar changes all these different rules and the same shit happens no matter what so uh whatever i i mean kansas is definitely they, what one thing that i i remembered or or, or i was thinking of a, a month or so ago is we had this variety of race tracks we were going to you had like big tracks you had short tracks you had all kinds of variety and then they just pile drove a bunch of one and a half mile racetracks one after the other i'm like oh this is gonna effing suck and and it basically has and Granted, it it's brought in a couple of uh, wild card winners in Cold Custard and Austin Dillon, but honestly, it's 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 just mediocre and it's a problem with the overall rules pr- package and the and the product they put out there. And the Gen Seven, I don't think is going to fix that, no matter five fifty horsepower or not. Um, whatever they do with the arrow, it, it's 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 a longer conversation we probably are going to have to have during the off season in terms of what we really would want. Uh, but I think we agree on what we would want from the cars. Uh, Denny Hamlin wins the race. It's uh, yeah, he was forty uh, second win. Okay. Uh, then Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, Kevin Harvick, Eric Jones, a top five finish starting 21st. Eric Almarola started 30, finished sixth. Cold Custard finishes seventh. Alex Bowman, eighth. Kurt Busch, ninth. William Byron, tenth. Kyle Busch won his first stage of the year, uh, finished 11th in the race. So uh, Elliott, Reddick up there, uh, 12th and 13th. Ryan Blaney uh, had good first two stages and then fell back uh, to finish 20th. And then Jimmy Johnson got involved in the wreck. I think that was the wreck with uh, Ryan Priest and uh, got parked for the damage vehicle policy and uh, lost out on points. He's finished 32nd. So... Yeah, run of the mill. Bubba Wallace had a big accident early. Uh, the maggots loved it. Um, Matthew Benedetto also had an accident shortly after that. Um, brutal for him. We'll discuss that in a little more detail. Uh, also had Joey Logano involved in that, I think, in that wreck. And uh, it put Bubba Wallace basically in a winner go home situation for the playoff. <laughs> When it comes to the points, Kevin Harvick has got nearly a 100-point lead on Brad, and uh, Brad has a three-point lead on Ryan Blaney, uh, Denny Hamlin fourth, Chase Elliott fifth, Joey Logano sixth, Martin Truex, Eric Almirola, Kyle Busch, and Kurt Busch, the top ten. Uh, 
Al Marola and the two Bush brothers are the first three guys in points that haven't won. You have three drivers behind them that have in Bowman, Dillon, and Cole Custer. So right now, that's what, 10, yeah, 10 winners. And I would say that Al Marola, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch are really solid. After that is where we have to kind of look at. And that's the playoff basement that I mentioned. Uh, it starts with Clint Boyer. He may or may not have a job uh, in, in that car next year. He may be driving somewhere else. Uh, are all the people that love him so much he could drive the 34 be that mediocre and everyone could still love him and then you could put somebody that could actually drive that race car you know like chase briscoe or even kyle arson if he decided to care which i don't think he does um then you have d benedetto william byron tyler reddick and eric jones is on the bump at 16 austin dillon he's in with his win a uh, six-point lead for Eric Jones over Jimmy Johnson. And then there's a huge gap from uh, nearly 100 points from uh, or 80 points from Jimmy Johnson to uh, it's 82 from Jimmy Johnson to Bubba Wallace and uh, 89 from him to Chris Buescher, who's 21st. So uh, I wanted to pose this to you, Josh, in terms of a lot of stuff happened to the guys that were in the in this cutoff or over in the bubble. Uh, who do you look at that can come in with with the kind of races the, that we're having? Two races in Michigan, two at Dover, a wild card at Daytona, two wild cards at Daytona. Because now the Daytona road course is a complete wild card too. The Coke Zero Four Hundred is a wild card, and um, I think that's the end of it. I think that is the final six races before we get to the um, the, the bump for the, the playoffs. Who do you look for that is going to stay in and, and then New Hampshire, of course, this week? And then who do you look for is going to fall out? So it's really tough to look at it because anything can happen. You know, the, we still have seven races to go. Anything can happen. Um, but if right now, just looking at the standings, I, I think Clint Boyer, I think he'll make it in. I think he's solid enough um, to make it in, but you never know. Um, I, but I don't think he'll move up in the standings or drop any further. He'll just kind of stay where he is right now. Uh, Di Benedetto, you know, he's a little closer than that on the bubble, but I I think he'll stay in. And William Byron, I think, is a little shaky right now. He seems like he's gotten some good results, but then there's been a lot of bad results that he had, he's had lately. And I think if um, there's going to be a guy that would fall out, I think it'd definitely be him. And then somebody that could get in, I'd probably go with Eric Jones or Tyler or Tyler Reddick. Um, I think Eric Jones might be a little bit more consistent. Uh, he's only two points behind Reddick and he does have race winning experience, although it's only been, two or three races that he's won in his career, but I think he definitely knows how to win. So I could see him maybe stealing one here coming up, maybe at one of those wildcard races at Daytona. He has one at the Coke zero 400 two years ago when it was um, on July 4th weekend. And he did win the shootout uh, at Daytona earlier this year. 
so it's definitely possible he could um, steal one. And Tyler Reddick, I think if he does make it, it'll be on consistency. He's been very consistent for the rookie class outside of Cole Custer with that one win uh, a couple weeks ago in Kentucky. But I certainly think he could possibly point his way in if he doesn't win. Jimmy Johnson, uh, he's definitely um, it should have been on panic mode like a, a while back, but it's definitely looking like he's not going to be in the chase to end his career, which you know is very shocking because he made the chase all the way up until. Uh, last year and then he was on the outside looking in for the first time ever and now he's looking at the possibility of ending his career outside of it but you know sometimes that's how it goes especially it seems like he's beginning to fade away now from uh, the cup series with his uh, upcoming retirement but it would be nice to see him come in but unless like he can steal one which is certainly possible I don't see him um, coming uh, back and making it in yeah he's Spending a lot of time looking like Dan Gurney driving an Indy car today at Indianapolis for a cheap Ganassi. So it kind of fits with what you're saying in terms of what he's looking at in his future uh, for old seven-time Jimmy Johnson. I mean, good points for sure. I mean, you're looking at some of these guys. You're talking about Hendrick Motorsports have two guys on the bubble. You have RCR with Reddick, who's honestly been the better driver overall this entire season. And Dylan just had position on him, and he won that race at te- at Texas. You got Gibbs with Eric Jones, who is might or might not be in a position where he might have issues with his job. Um, people, rumors about him possibly going to the 48 have been out there. You know, with Bob Levine's situation possibly selling the 95, you would assume that Chris Bell would uh, end up being in that car. So, you you know that there's stress going on with Eric Jones. He's won three races. Two of them are two of the biggest races of the year. You know, you, you're talking about the Coke Zero 400 and the Southern 500. So, I mean, he's... He's a legitimate talent. It's just the fact that whether it's timing, whether it's being in that car, I think outside of Tony Stewart, everybody that's been in that 20, I mean, even Matt Kenseth had like one in like a half good years in that 20 car and then just kind of held on uh, and then ended himself at uh, by wrecking Joey Logano at Martinsville. Uh, that 20 car outside of Tony Stewart really hasn't, had the kind of results uh, that it probably you would expect uh, in general since um, since uh, uh, Tony left that team. Um, but for Eric Jones, if he gets dropped, it could be a lot like what Penske has with Joey Logano, and he goes and gets he he loosens up or it's actually two wins sorry um two regular wins and then as as Josh mentioned the um, shootout this year because you know there was nobody left because uh, I think the whole entire field wrecked and then somebody some of them went to McDonald's came back with with their cars and they still were in the race so it was such a cluster. Um, I mean, I think Reddick honestly can win, and I think he could win at Michigan. Um, and if he does, and, and D. Benedetto, Michigan's another one. Boyer's last win, I believe, was Michigan a couple of years ago. 
Um, Points wise, he's okay, seemingly okay. D. Benedetto and him are kind of in the same boat. Points wise, uh, they have a gap over Byron, Reddick, Jones, and Johnson. Um, Johnson has, I think, Dover with a doubleheader, and his endurance and his physical conditioning could be the opportunity. Uh, he's the all time winner at Dover, he's 10 wins. I think, and if he goes out there and he wins number eleven, it wouldn't be shocking. It would be shocking on the sense that, in the sense that it's been a very long time. It's been three years or whatever, which we'll talk about. Somebody who's had a very long dry spell as well, winning. But Dover is a track. It's one of the best tracks for Jimmy Johnson. Period, and they're going to be running in boiling, you know, in August heat at Dover with those those crappy bad year tires it's going to be an endurance test and there'll be shorter races too so it won't be but it'll be 600 something laps so definitely curious to see what will happen to see who will make it i believe william byron is the one that falls out i think johnson somehow gets in uh because he's a better race car driver and but I think we will have a lot of interesting races to come here in the next seven weeks. Uh, speaking of Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, a Chevy, you know, it's been it's been pretty bleak for Chevy uh, in recent weeks. It started out really well this season. Pre-COVID, they were looking great. They look like they had a resurgence. Even when they came post-COVID, it, it, they looked all right. Clyde's been doing good. He's won one. We won at Charlotte in May, uh, the second Charlotte race. Should have won the 600. Uh, gave, Gustafson gave it away. And then he won the second Charlotte race. And he's also won the All-Star race. But otherwise, it's been kind of, you know, typical Clyde. Not really around. And then after that, though, the next Chevrolet is Kyle or Kurt Busch. Only has one stage win this year. And then Bowman, who after Darlington, I think, the second Darlington race, the bottom's fallen out on the 88 team, and they fall into 11th in points. Um, And then you have the other Hendrick. You have Byron, Reddick, Dylan, Johnson, and uh, Bubba uh, as the other Chevy drivers that are in the top 20 in points um josh what what do you say and outside of chase elliott is there anybody else you look at or you can see that could possibly make a run in this playoff advance a couple rounds uh it's hard to say it's very hard to say because it doesn't seem like outside of chase elliott there hasn't been a chevy driver with consistent top speed we've seen flashes from chase elliott and he's been able to kind of stay up in the standings but then you have to go down further with kurt bush who really hasn't you know he's had a lot of top tens but he hasn't really like been up near the front um this season really and and he could make the top eight you know based on just like top tening his way there it's certainly possible but i don't know if um, it'll happen. Um, Alex Bowman, he, he, maybe he can get back onto his early season form where he was at um, 
California and Las Vegas, and then when they came back, he seemed like he was the best car at uh, Darlington and and at Charlotte. But now, you know, he's kind of fallen off since then. And you know, it's certainly possible he could get into that Elite Eight. But um, it's, I mean, those are really the only three Chevys that I think maybe could have a chance. Um, all the other Chevys, I think you'd have to, you know pull a horseshoe out of their ass or something to see if, or put a horseshoe in their ass and see if they get something, <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, it's a, definitely, you know, they don't have the consistent speed across the board. Um, just seems like they, um, aren't, you know, they're just not, um, consistent at the end. Like, I mean, even like with Bowman and Bush, like Bowman seems like at a lot of these races, he has good speed throughout the first two stages. And then he kind of falls off at the end, whether it's due to a bad pitch strategy or like they get in wreck or or they just didn't have a good car. Just seems like he always something happens to him at these races. And they did kind of get back on track with an eighth place finish. And they were kind of up there at the end with um, pit strategy. And then they kind of just fell back because they didn't have the tires and everybody else did. But, you know, they still got an eighth place finish. It was not bad. But certainly, you know, when you look at the Elite Eight, once that field begins to tighten up, you have to wonder, like, beyond Chase Elliott, like, it just doesn't um, look like, uh, Chevy really has the um, strength to go and challenge Ford and Toyota. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and when there was a rumor that came out, Lee Spencer came out with it, talking about Hendrick. We're I guess this is the Hendrick portion of our program today on the GSP, um, where it the she spoke about Alex Bowman moving to the forty eight. And the 88 being shuttered, um, of course, now with the nonsense of the charters and things like that, they'd have to sell it or lease it. Who would that go to um, if that happened? I mean, Bowman basically has no sponsorship. He has like Valvoline for like a handful of races and Chevy parts and Hendrick uh, cars and other bullshit. You know, I think Exalta's on there for like five races. I, I personally, considering how mediocre William Byron has been in Cup, they'd be better off going and rebranding and going and putting Exalta on 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 Bowman's deal. Go and bring back the five or twenty. Yeah, bring the five back. The twenty-four can go and be the the also ran car, which it has become anyway, and it was for a long time with Jeff Gordon anyway. Whether Byron's there or not, and you can go and go and do something with that, and then the 48, I, I have no idea. I mean, the, everybody and their mother, I think, has been putting that 48 car, you know, whether it's Brad Keselowski, you had Eric Jones, Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, now Alex Bowman. Um, I mean, the, the, in terms of looking at Chevy and what they're going to do, Bowman's not a factor to win this championship. Uh, Elliott's the only one that can really, truly um, say that he could make the Elite Eight without any real concern um, because he can win stages. Um, Kurt Busch last year had a great, you know, con- uh, consistent season hit the fence at Vegas and ended himself. 
uh, right then and there, and and it was a real upset to me. I thought he was going to make a run in the playoff. Um, this year, they haven't had any speed. They haven't had the same kind of pace as they had last year. Somehow, for some reason, the forty two is is in is in the in the boondocks. Matt Kens is freaking twenty eighth in points, and he's barely ahead of of Kyle Larson. I mean. He a lot of points at now, but then when you consider uh, Kyle Larson only ran, he's run 11 less races. I mean, it, it's it's a bad look for Matt Kenseth and for Ross Chastain or whoever's going to take that car. It, it's the that team is not in a good place. Um, the Chevy teams in general are going to have a problem. The only person I would think, I mean, outside of Kurt Busch, that could go and make a run, I think. Reddick, if he if he got in, he's been able to show an ability to to work these playoffs in the Xfinity series. Of course, it's definitely a higher level here, but getting points, getting stage points, figuring out ways to get himself in a position. And if he gets in, if Tyler Reddick gets in this deal and RC doesn't F him over because RC's a moron, which he is anyway, or he could have a guy that makes the Elite Eight. And it's, that would be the deepest run I think RCR has had since uh, No Neck finished second in 2014. Uh, let's see here. We will move on to the Xfinity Series race at uh, Kansas Lottery 250. Bruckshot Jones is the winner. Um, Austin Sindrick Gumby finishes second. Um, what do you call um, Kim Burton's son? Third. Ryan Sieg fourth. Ross Chastain fifth. Justin Haley sixth. Daniel Hemrick seventh. Michael Annette eighth. He drew the pole. Uh, got no stage points though because he's Michael Annette. Riley Herbst, ninth, and Justin Allgaier in 10th. Um, other drivers that scored stage points, Kaz Gralla, who was making his seri- season debut in the 21 for RCR, uh, finished 13th. He got stage points. Chase Briscoe got stage points in stage two, but his car didn't handle very well all day. Um, late race restart, which we'll discuss, uh, buried him. Noah Gregson, uh, green flag pit stops and uh, other things got in the way for uh, good old Noah Gregson. He finished 15th. And Brett Moffitt had an oil leak after running himself from 23rd to 8th in the 0-2 hour motorsports car and uh, fell out, finished 34th. So uh, I guess Brockshot Jones, uh, what do you take away, uh, Josh, from... Uh, that race on Saturday, the second consecutive win at Kansas um, after Garrett Smithley decided not to look in his mirror um, in October. And uh, is, is, is he in the conversation now with uh, the guys that we've seen, what we would consider the, quote, big three of Briscoe, Sindrick, and Gregson? Well, Based on looking at the standings right now and looking at his finishes so far this season, I would say no. He just hasn't been the type of driver uh, that could go up and challenge uh, any of those three guys. 
and you look at Gregson and or well, I'll start off with Briscoe and Sindrick. They've been leading a lot of laps. They've been up, you know, challenging for the lead um, and winning races. Gregson's kind of been there and kind of hanging with them. He, you know, obviously he's made mistakes and gotten into it with other drivers, but he's been the other guy who's shown a lot of pace this year in uh, the Xfinity series. But Brandon Jones, you know, he's finished top 10 uh, nine times this year. And, you know, he's won this year, obviously. But you know, when you look at the Xfinity series, the bottom half of the top 10 is more like finishing in 10th to 15th or 15th to 20th in, in Cup. Um, which tells you how much competitive depth there really is in the Xfinity series these days. But, you know, he hasn't really shown um, a lot of pace uh, for the most part this year. And he's had a couple of top fives here and there, but for the most part, he hasn't really, um, you know, shown anything that like he can go up and, and fight for the lead. And I think his win uh, this weekend was more a result of luck when you saw how his, team was able to take advantage of the tire situation and you know he was able to take advantage of the final restart and pass uh for the lead at the uh, very end of the race and it um certainly looks good for his resume but uh you know anything could happen in the playoffs but i don't think um he should be in that conversation he's probably tier two driver at best in my opinion yeah, I agree. Uh, tier two is probably kind for Bruckshot. Um, he's just bringing a paycheck, and that's about it. Um, if if his dad didn't run Ream or whatever it is, I don't think Bruckshot would have been able to drive Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks or Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas or RCR Xfinity cars or wherever. I forget where else he's been. He's been in elite equipment his whole entire life and his, his results are, are quite mediocre. Um, he's 10 points in terms of overall points. He's 10 points behind Michael and net who only has, he has three top fives and nine top 10, same amount of top tens as Brandon Jones. Um, but the average finish for Brandon Jones, just to kind of, uh, put the point away, uh, 16th is his average finish. Now consider that Kyle Busch only has run what four races this year. Um, no, I don't think Penske has run a cup driver all year. Um, there really hasn't been a whole heck of a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call bushwhacking as it would the old term, uh, hasn't been going on going in towards the depth of the series and he has this average of six uh, 16 fin uh, place finish uh that's that's freaking awful um you know when you look at the, there's only the top five right now is inside a 10th in a place finish harrison burton's just right 10.1 that's it's really not a good look but what it emphasizes is the guys like Sindrick, like Briscoe, who have set themselves above everybody else. And 
I mean, it, it goes to that. You talk. Uh, it, 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 I'm going to combine both here. We talked about the, the 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 late race deal. They call a caution there for Joe Graff Jr. because Joe Graff Jr. is a caution. Uh, on he's just a, a walking caution, let alone when he jumps in a car um, and he he's allowed to drive. He was driving around. I think he had a cut tire or whatever. They threw a caution, which was the caution that um, that ended up basically setting the tone for because they didn't have a caution for nearly uh, it was like 80 laps, basically. And then they call that caution, which was going to be uh, right there late in the race. That caution they called basically set the tone. Then Jesse Little spun on the first restart, which then ended up doing an overtime where Chase Briscoe ended up getting into it, getting put in the fence or hitting the fence. His car was damaged as bad, if not worse, than Joe Graff. They didn't call caution. There, I have a 10, 15-minute rant about consistently inconsistent selective enforcement um, NASCAR with their phantom cautions, they bring they're starting to bring them back. It's something you ought to watch. If you're listening to GSP, you should go and hit us up. But you should also go and post. It's like, oh yeah, there it is, phantom caution, because it's happening. They're bringing it back now because now you have, I mean, minus the Florida Marlins and their stupidity, you have baseball back. Football has has the has their training camp. Basketball's coming back in a couple of days. Hockey's coming back in a few days. So the reality is NASCAR doesn't have a captive audience anymore, and they were kind of losing people. The phantom cautions are coming back. So uh, they they brought them out in these last two Xfinity races with Joe Graff. Uh, they didn't call it when Chase Briscoe had more damage. It was bullshit. Um, I don't know what you thought, Josh, about some of these calls that we saw with some of the cautions they called uh, across the entire weekend. Um, but I would, I'll go and digress because, you know, Sindrick dominated again. How this guy who, who's generally been, you know, mediocre at best, of course, you know, his dad runs Penske Racing, and he's been a Ford Junior driver, and but all of a sudden, he's figured out a way to win on these cookie-cutter tracks, and the vast majority of the racetracks that they're going to, um, even with the remade uh, p- playoff, are cookie-cutter racetracks. Um, I, I guess, uh, give me your thoughts on how the end of the race went and like the Phantom Cautions and also about Austin Sindrick and what he's done to kind of put himself into uh, the conversation to not only win this championship, but actually make himself a prospect for the Cup Series. Yeah, I mean, at the end of this race, it was looking like it was going to be a green flag run with uh, to end the race with Harrison Burton coming back from the middle of the top 10 to get to uh, the lead. And he seemed like he was going to have the best car at the end and he was making the most of it. And he 
was interesting to see him actually force a mistake out of Cindric and Cindric brushed the wall on the back stretch or coming off of two at Kansas and he was able uh Burton was able to take the lead off of that and it looked like it was going to be a Harrison Burton victory for um for the day but then those phantom cautions came out essentially and I mean they you know it didn't really anything happen it's just like they scraped the wall or whatever and you know they spun out and nothing happened which in my opinion you know if you spin out and there's you know not a lot of smoke and you know you get going and it's relatively uh, harmless I don't think there should be a caution out for that and I think in other series, you know, they don't really throw the caution for that. I don't really know why NASCAR has to, but it, you know, it just seemed like it was um, going to be a Harrison Burton kind of race. And then um, all the cautions started happening again. And now we're looking at um, Brandon Jones basically winning one when he probably um, wasn't going to, um, which helps him in the playoff points because now he has um, more playoff points and at least 10 playoff points because he's got two victories this season. But, you know, now we're looking at um, a lot of a lot of things that could happen. But, you know, with Austin Sindrick led the most laps and it seemed like um, it seemed like he was um, going to win. But then he made some mistakes at the end and hit the wall a couple of times and uh really wasn't gonna um if they you know if they had a long run he probably would have fallen back uh if you know they didn't have any more cautions and it just seemed like he was um not gonna win that one but still he has a lot of speed and i don't know what it is why he's suddenly winning i mean obviously he was a benefactor of kyle bush's penalty at texas a couple weeks ago and now he's looking like the top dog but I think it's just her benefactor of being Penske. He's, Penske has always been the most prepared um, equipment in the garage or one of the most prepared. And, and they have a lot of experience and he's just been a benefactor of all of that. And, you know, he's um, going to be challenging Chase Briscoe probably for the championship, which I'm excited for because, um, one, it's going to be a, interesting to see the dynamic between two Fords and if um, any politics will go into that, which I don't I don't think there will, but it will be interesting. Um, and then you look at how Cindric has performed on road courses in the past, and he might actually, you know, he might actually steal one coming up. You know, we do have the Charlotte Roval and the little playoffs for the Xfinity, I believe, and we have Daytona Roval as well. So we may be looking at um, Austin Cindric. He'll uh, likely be um, one of the four drivers coming down the wire at Phoenix in, in the fall. Yeah, definitely. You know, Cindric. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know where this talent or this runs come from, but at the point that you made about Penske's always been there, you know, you talk about Penske preparation and being ahead of the curve. That's, that's just the Penske way. And of course, Cindric, you know, by heredity got into it and him and Chase are good friends that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Sin, uh, Briscoe had that run post-COVID. I mean, pre-COVID, he was re- he was he won one race and he was pretty solid. Then post-COVID, he kind of went on a run. He lost his crew chief. Um, I'm forgetting his uh, Richard Boswell at Homestead, and then he made up like 
8,000 laps in, in that first race, even after dropping the lead and should have been in a position to win anyway, which he probably would have won by, he would have lapped everybody, but like the top five or something, if, if the lead didn't drop out of that car, then he goes and wins uh, the Sunday race. And he was on a heater with, with Zippy as his crew chief. And then since Boswell's came back, all these cookie cutters have come along and they haven't been on and they haven't been able to, score stage points they've had to take some you know strategy to make adjustments and they've lost some ground um and in fact gave up the points lead to Sindrick uh, on saturday after uh briscoe dropped down uh, with the problems he had there they have four points and there's 15 playoff points if for to win the regular season so that in itself is going to be uh, an interesting battle because it's literally between those two. Uh, Gregson and Chastain are locked in, definitely locked in, no problem. Of course, Gregson's won. Chastain hasn't, but that's not a big deal. Um, uh, Haley's 70 points behind him, but you know he's got a win. Harrison Burton's been inconsistent, but he's got two wins. Brandon Jones, he's Brandon Jones. He has two wins. So you would, you're talking about six guys that have wins, and then you have Chastain, Allgaier, who's had tons of bad luck, and you would assume that he would be able to show up and do something. After that, I mean, really, even you could even minus Brandon Jones, uh, you're really talking about maybe seven drivers that could really contend for this title. After that, the bottom really falls out. You have the daddy's money guys and Annette and Jones. You have the smaller teams and Ryan C. Brandon Brown, and it'll be a hail Mary for whether it's Clemens, Snyder, LeBay, little to, to make it. I mean, LeBay, has two shots at the road courses. Clemens has one at Road America, which is the next race for the Xfinity Series. Snyder, I don't know how that 93 got sold off to Rayum, Josh Rayum's team or whatever. So that team's going to freaking shit the bed the way that that truck series team runs. So I, I have no idea how, how um, my Snyder is going to make it but um, speaking of that, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – you, you have to be concerned. I, I think Briscoe's – I don't know what you think, Josh, but I, I think Briscoe's fall off here recently might be a concern, but maybe because of where it is within the season, it might not be an issue. I think Gregson's driving uh, – standard and who he gets into it with, which is virtually everybody is going to go and work against him in the playoff. But for now it is what it is. Cause he's already locked in. Um, you have any concerns for Briscoe and Gregson before we move on to the truck series? Well, it's funny you say that uh, Briscoe's falling off because uh, since Homestead, when that was kind of where he began to turn it on, he's only finished outside of the top five, or outside of yeah, actually outside of the top five twice, and that was the 18th at Talladega, and then the 14th this weekend at Can or last weekend at Kansas, and in the stage points, I mean he's missed a couple of stages like 
there's been a couple of stages where he didn't finish top 10, but then he came back and w- was able to score a fourth place and uh, a couple of seconds. But I think really the fall is just, um, or him losing the points lead is just because um, Austin Sendrick won three races in a row and then finished second in this last race here at Kansas. And then Briscoe just finished in 14th, which means the gap got tighter and then separated because Briscoe um, didn't maintain the uh, same level of finish that uh, Austin Sendrick did. But I'm not really concerned about Briscoe. I mean, if saying that he's uh, falling off is maybe a, a little bit dramatic, but you know, for his standards, it probably does feel like he's dropping off because it seemed like he was going to win everything a couple of weeks ago. And for Gregson, I probably would be a little bit more concerned. Maybe the struggles that Hendrick is having uh, trickles down to JRM. Uh, they are the Hendrick uh, affiliate in the Xfinity series, and overall, JRM hasn't really been that strong uh, this year. They've had some good runs with Daniel Hemrick. Uh, they had a good run at Homestead with Dale Jr. Uh, Michael Annette is Michael Annette, and Justin Allgaier has just had a lot of bad luck this season, even though uh, they were, at one point he was leading the most laps in the series, um, but that was only early on in the season. Uh, Noah Gregson seems to be more interested in fighting other drivers and, and wrecking people than he does with uh, getting good races, it seems like. But he does have a lot of speed, and I think he'll probably turn around in uh, the playoffs at least. And I would definitely right now still pencil him in as that third or fourth place driver going into Phoenix. But um, it's probably a little bit early to say that. But at least I think he could make it to the Xfinity Series version of the Elite Eight in the Xfinity Series. Well, yeah, I mean, for I, it, it seems like the bottom's falling out when you consider the kind of run Chase was on. I mean, full disclosure, as a as a Chase Briscoe mark, it kind of feels that way. But he hasn't run as well as he had before. But when you look at the statistics, they're very equal um, to Sindrick. He has two more wins than Austin, but virtually same same amount of top tens. Only one more top five for Sindrick. Average starts basically the same, but then when you consider it's a draw, it's kind of a cluster. He has he has Austin beat by two and two point three on the average finish. He's finished every single race versus Sindrick, who's um, fallen out of three races. Which over the course of a season, you figure that'll pay off to more points for uh, Chase. Whether that. The difference now relative to back in the day, you didn't finish a race. It really screwed you over. But if you have, if you go and score stage points, it basically cancels out falling out of a race. So if you get stage points, you get good stage points and you blow up or you wreck, um, you'll basically finish 20th in, in terms of instead of finishing 40th, you finish 20th. So that's the difference. Um, Greg Sin's biggest issue is his own ego and the amount of enemies he's developed within the garage area. Uh, he's pissed off, I think, the whole entire Gibbs team. Uh, he's pissed off other guys. 
you know, you, we were talk, I was talking about uh, good old Myatt Snyder. Um, Myatt Snyder drives a third-rate car. What is it to him to go and not dump Noah Gregson in the playoffs and, and end him? You know, like it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. You know, Noah Gregson's done that to try to win a championship. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't a freaking Myatt Snyder go and do that or, or a Brandon Brown or Jeremy Clements or Ryan Sieg or one of those guys that has been aggrieved. I mean, Riley Herbst doesn't have the talent to do it. Um, it'd be hilarious if he tried. Two douchebag Las Vegas losers fighting each other daddy's money pieces of crap um fighting each other that would be hilarious but um based on equipment there's no reason why Noah Gre- and and the team Noah Gregson should make the final four um whether that happens or not is to be determined he did make the final four in the truck series with Kyle Busch even after missing a race for probably a overdose um at Pocono a couple of years ago um, or probably for getting arrested for stalking chicks. Um, for, who knows what it was. Um, knowing him, he probably was fucking a tree. Um, with that, we'll go into the truck series. There were two races, the Blue Emu. Um, I'm not going through the whole thing. The, the, the Blue Emu 200 on Friday, and then the Pregnancy Test 200 on Saturday. That's some combination, I'll tell you. You wanna, if you really want to have some fun on a on a weekend, and you want to get with your girl and wear a red hat and do all that, go and get some blue emu and get some EPT. That'll be a perfect combination there to go and and really go and strap one on. Um, Austin Hill won on uh, Friday night, his first win of the season. He's been the points leader runaway blew up at Texas and still had a huge points lead. And then uh, Matt Crafton over a three year. um, It's been over three years since his last win. He finally gets uh, a win. He didn't even win a race last year and he won his third truck series championship. It was a great battle between him and Christian Eckes. Matt Crafton's older than dirt. And he beat one of the young guns, one of the future stars of this sport, a uh, total weirdo, but then he drives for Toyota, so it makes sense. Uh, uh, in terms of Hill and Crafton, I, I wanted to ask you, Josh, and what does it mean specifically for each team and each driver, uh, this win for, for, for them uh, after Kansas as they go and lead into, uh, I believe, Michigan is their uh, next race. Well, for both of those drivers, I think it gives them a boost of confidence for their season and validation for Austin Hill and for uh, Matt Crafton. And the reason why I say that is because Austin Hill, you know, he's been leading a lot of races and hasn't closed, uh, whether that was due to bad luck or um, poor strategy or um whatever he you know, hasn't found his uh way at the end of these races and and it seemed like he was um going to be one of those drivers that you know couldn't close but this time he was able to um have nothing happen to him at the end and he was able to get a win and it looks like now that he's got that win maybe he'll um start winning more races possibly 
uh, coming up in Michigan, certainly a place to do that with um, its uh, wide corners and uh, uh, relatively good grip. And it's probably going to be a good truck race for uh, that track type. Uh, and I think he'll be able to uh, have more moda- momentum going forward um, and certainly helps him since uh, he won. But for Matt Crafton, you know, he's gone on a three race or a three year winning streak or losing streak. And that includes a championship. So, uh, which is weird to say it's a losing streak, but you know, hasn't won in a long time. And now that he's won, you know, certainly for him, it gets that monkey off his back and maybe he'll go here forward and start uh, finishing better and uh, maybe figure out how to be at the end of these races because like, um, well, I guess in his case, he didn't need to win to get the championship, but I think at Phoenix, it probably will come down to uh, the leader or the championship leader probably winning the race. So now that he's won, got that monkey off his back, maybe he'll uh, figure out how to stay up there at the end of these races and, and challenge. But I think for him, it's certainly um, it's good to see him win uh, again, and hopefully he's able to um, be up there in the conversation for this championship. Yeah, when you consider Matt Crafton's been around since like 1927, and with with door sport and he hadn't won in three years they've changed manufacturers they've changed engines because of the stupidity of the truck series with those crappy ilmores and uh you know you look at door sport and they've kind of had their moments good bad and different but for him to win that race was a huge deal and as much as i goof on matt craft and i respect him He's he's been around uh, and and he's taught a lot of these guys that have moved up to Cup and even in Xfinity how to do things the right way and him and his his relationship with Duke and Ronda Thorson is a throwback to the old days of not only the Truck Series Xfinity where you stay loyal and committed to an organization and stay there a long time and for him to win it's a problem honestly junior joiner is one of the best crew chiefs in in the business and him and and crafton have done a lot of work over the years to give them a win and now they just kind of have to coast into this playoff it's going to be a real problem for the rest of this uh the rest of the people that make it um, because three championships is no joke. It's the same way as no matter as people want to crap on Jimmy Johnson, seven championships, no, three championships in the truck series. There's no, only Ron Hornaday has done that, done more. So he, and that's Jack Sprague has done three championships. So he's in the elite. He's in the all time Ron Hornady is in the Hall of Fame. Jack Sprague should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Cup in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Um, Matt Crafton's going to be in the NASCAR Hall of Fame himself, no matter what he does from here on out. But that was a big deal. Austin Hill, who a couple years ago was driving for Young's Motorsports and kind of was just an also-ran, jumps in the 16 truck and has become this some pretty decent driver and talent 
Um, he's been dominant in uh, regular season points. He's right now 43 points ahead of Ben Rhodes. Um, when you look at stage points and playoff points, or I mean playoff points, he's one of one, two, three, four, five drivers, regulars that have playoff points. Of course, four of these guys now have wins. So the Zane Smith has won a bunch of stages recently, but the other four have won races now. So the two races at Kansas have actually helped um, the series in general after Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott uh, feasted on on the deal for a while and even Bruckshot Jones for that matter. Um, and freaking Riley, Her- Ross Chastain won a couple stages. Riley Herbst, freaking Riley Herbst, Christ. Um, you go and look at it. We have, what is it? Austin Hill, Brent Moffitt, Grant Infinger, Matt Kraft, and Derek Krause, who uh, had a great weekend. He didn't get to go and graduate with his um, classmates um, in person, but he had the opportunity to finish fifth and uh, seventh um, instead and put himself uh, smack dab into the points battle. Um, You could also uh, look at Derek um, or Zane Smith, who won both stages on Saturday to get his total to three stage wins this year. And he's been a revelation in the GMS team. Um, We'll uh, go to that in terms of um, super team domination, GMS door sport, GMS with uh, you, Brett Moffitt had uh, um, the finish at uh, on Saturday didn't really show up there. Yeah, he had he got taken out in a wreck. I think. Yeah, he he had a wreck. Even though he finished up front, he finished twenty seventh. He wrecked with uh, his teammate Tyler Ankrum. Uh, Sheldon Creed also was involved with that. So, yeah, it was a complete demolition of GMS there on Saturday. Uh, But he had a good day uh, going until then. Uh, Sheldon Creed scored stage points in the second stage along with Ankrum. And, and, uh, you know, Zane Smith won both stages. And then GMS, of course, Crafton wins on Saturday. You look at uh, Enfinger gets a top five finish and gets a third place finish in both races, solidifying his points position. Um, Ben Rhodes uh, gets stage points and finishes uh, fifth in the second race. So what are your thoughts about the super teams? And um, I mean, outside of Vittori racing with Austin Hill, uh, their opportunity to possibly go out there and um, take over, uh, this truck series points battle before we talk about the playoff bubble. Yeah, it's certainly possible with uh, Thorson, Thor Sport, and the GMS team to go out and uh, win win a couple of races. And we saw that at least with Matt Crafton. And, and this weekend, I mean, even though they didn't win, uh, GMS didn't lead a good chunk of laps there uh, during the race. They uh, just didn't have. Um, the luck at the end to be able to win. And you saw on Saturday, um, there was, you know, had the battle with Enfinger, Moffitt, and Hill towards the end. And then Hill just kind of pulled away. Um, 
I mean, I think he just had the better car, but certainly going forward, I think it it helps uh, the Gallagher team to maybe they'll uh, look back on this race and um, learn uh, what they did and um, study uh, how how they set up their cars for that race or for those races, and maybe take a look at like uh, how their their pace was throughout the entire race and what kind of strategy they had, and maybe they'll apply that to the upcoming races here in the uh, truck series and and maybe they'll start to finish more consistently uh within the top 10 if um or try to score more stage points and um be there at the end of the races and you know the moffat certainly has been very talented and you know zane smith um led a nice or decent chunk at the beginning of the race on sunday and you know, thought he was going to be in that conversation for uh, the win, but kind of fell off there at um, in that one. But he still finished sixth. And then you look at um, the Thor Sport cars, and obviously we already talked about uh, Matt Crafton and his uh, ability to win. Maybe he'll um, get more confidence going forward. Now he's got his monkey off his back, but still with Ben Rhodes, um, he seemed to be doing pretty well here at. Uh, some of these races in the truck series and he was able um, recently to get a um, second place finish at Kentucky and though even though it got rained out and finished top 10 Texas and uh, top 10 at Kansas this weekend it seems like at least on the mile and a half tracks he's finished uh, pretty well um, which I think bodes well for him going forward and then Souter you know he had a, a wreck uh, on Sunday but then he finished um pretty well on on friday night but i i think um going forward i think you have to maybe start considering uh the super teams although they haven't quite dominated the truck series is what you think they would they certainly um are in the conversation to possibly uh be in contention for the championship yeah absolutely we go over the points uh austin hill has 43 point lead on ben rhodes Eckes in third for Kyle Busch, which we didn't even mention in terms of super teams, uh, mainly because we have the one uh, that's in a position to make it. Zane Smith, Brett Moffitt, or Zane Smith and Eckes are tied in points, and they're only seven. Rhodes, Eckes, Smith, seven points separate the three of them. Brett Moffitt and Matt Crafton. Brett Moffitt and Matt Crafton, Grant Enfinger, Sheldon Creed, are separated by six points and you look at the three of them have won Brett Moffitt's been up there former champion Derek Krause got himself into the top 10 with his performances uh, this weekend and Todd Gilland is on the bump spot after uh, missing the playoff last year for Kyle Busch Motorsports Tyler Ankrum had mechanicals on Friday and then caused a wreck on Saturday and knocked himself out of the playoff. Uh, he's 22 points out. Johnny Sauter is even further back than that. Uh, he's in 12th. Tanner Gray, Stuart Friesen, Raphael Lassard for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and then Ty Majeski. Um, after that, you're just whatever. You're kind of asking for a miracle. Um, you, have, you have dumbasses and guys who have no funding. Um, you know, you look at 22 
drivers have um, run or 23 minus uh, Brennan Poole, of course, who's a cup series rookie. So 22 drivers have run the entire season. Uh, but really right now we're down, it's down to 16 and fundamentally, yeah, it's down to 16 for 10 and we could start getting into semantics about that. Um, the playoff bubble, Donnie Sauter got involved in a wreck and he's had a rough few weeks. Um, you look at what is it? Friday he finished ninth, but then Saturday, that one big wreck uh, went and really screwed him over. Uh, took Friesen out too. Friesen has had an uh, absolute nightmare year after his Final Four appearance, driving a GMS truck and having GMS help. They're running a full program on their own with uh, Kyle Busch equipment, but the Kyle Busch Motorsports equipment in general has dropped off uh, unless Kyle Busch is in it, for the exception of Christian Eckes, who um, has uh, shown himself to be quite um, capable. Uh, while he hasn't won a stage and he hasn't won a race yet, he's on the edge of uh, possibly doing that. Um, what do you, I guess it's a similar question. I mean, you, you look at some of the names that are out outside of the top 10. I think Majeski is definitely a shocker. Um, freezing after last year, Sauter is a champion. Um, it's going to be a tight race. Uh, and not points wise right now, it's it's not tight, but it's going to be very tough. Um, from ninth all the way to sixteenth, you're talking about a hundred points. But you consider how many races are left before the playoff. That could flip its lid. Uh, do you see, I mean, they're going to have race They're They're going to probably have two races at gateway. Um, once they announce whatever, I think they're going to probably run, uh, some other races. probably run at Richmond too. Uh, do do you see, um, someone, do, do does Kraus, do Kraus and Gillen look solid to you? Or do you look at somebody else that's outside right now that could possibly win and get themselves in? to uh, the playoff before we move on to the uh, roundup. Yeah, I think Gilliland and Krause, they certainly can um, make it in. They seem solid. I think Krause is starting to get on a little hot streak of his own, relatively speaking, and starting to um, get uh, consistent finishes in the top 10. And Todd Gilliland, I think he's kind of on the same uh, pace as well. Uh, but I think maybe uh, out somebody outside the top 10 that you might have to consider is Johnny Sauter. Uh, maybe the success from Matt Crafton can trickle down to his team and they can improve on their form this year, which you know, they uh, haven't been quite the uh, team that in uh, season that you would have expected from uh, a truck driver like Johnny Sauter, but um, certainly he could put his uh, name in that conversation. Um, Ankrum, um, not sure. Uh, how he'll do it seems like the nice cars have been kind of uh also rans this season last year um previous years it seemed like they were a little bit better um seemed like maybe with ross chastain no longer driving for them their performances uh dropped off as, as a team and looking at the race on sunday or saturday they 
basically took all their cars out in one sweep with uh, that big wreck that they had in the middle of the race, um, which isn't a good look for that team, obviously, as they spend resources to repair those cars and and when they need to be uh, focusing on getting better, and that doesn't help them. Um, so, you know, like, as long as Kraus and Gillen, um, as long as they maintain uh, pace and and they're able to figure their way out uh, throughout these uh, races coming up, I think um, they should be solid. But then again, you know, anything can happen and we could have a wild card maybe uh, out snooker them or, or um, uh, leapfrog their way into the top 10. Um, but I, I feel good about their chances going into the truck playoffs. Yeah, you're you're talking about you know Ankrum last year he he made it with DGR Crosley, uh, he had to run starting parks with with Joe Nemechek's team to run the full season. Then he he ran the DGR Crosley 17, <clears throat> basically the truck that uh, Tanner Gray is running right now, and he goes and makes the playoff with a win, a fuel mileage win at uh, Kentucky. Uh, and uh, this year it's kind of been a struggle. He's been off. GMS team, of course, um, is has kind of been on and off here and there. Same with, with Thor Sport. I mean, even though we, we look at kind of a resurgent, I think it kind of helps when you don't have a cup driver there and it emphasizes the kind of advantage these teams have, even in the no practice, no qualifying circumstance, when you have four trucks uh, to go and kind of science things out, you can kind of go different ways. And based on where certain trucks are, when you have a win, you can go and do one thing versus a team that doesn't have a win. Um Sauter's a guy in terms of who could get back in, but he hasn't won in a little bit. Last year he won a couple races. He hasn't won in a while. Um, his ego gets in his own way. Uh, can he do it? I, it wouldn't shock me. He's done a lot of winning in his career, um, but he will definitely need to win again to to uh, get himself in a position to make this playoff because he's he is really in trouble he's 58 points out of ninth uh, 53 points out of 10th so it's going to take a lot of consistency or and or a win for him to get into this playoff and get three or all four gms trucks into the uh top 10 it's a good thing that the um, they expanded it to the top 10 because if it wasn't for that it would be even more dire for um, Johnny Slaughter honestly because Sheldon Creed that the top 10 is really the you look at the the points it's only 32 points between second and eighth so yeah, 32 points. So you, you're it's it's a really close battle between those eight drivers right now in terms of consistency. They all they're all the drivers that have stage wins, that have playoff points. Um, if they had the old points system 
where they had the top eight, it would be dire for, uh, I mean, even Derek Krause and Todd Gilliland who've been all right this year, it would be dire for even them too. So we will see. Um, we'll ra- we'll move on to the roundup here, uh, second week of that. We'll go into other racing series. We'll kind of go and hit on uh, the series that ran this weekend and kind of give you a little bit of information. Fabio Quattararo for the Patronus uh, Sepang uh, Yamaha team gets his second consecutive win at Hareth and uh, beats his future teammate on the factory Monster Energy Yamaha team, Maverick Vinales, for that win. Um, he currently, Cotuaro, leads the points by 10 over Maverick Vinales. Mark Marquez, the six-time world champion, attempted to ride after uh, two, he almost wrecked once and fell all the way to the back, came back, got all the way to third, and then wiped himself out, broke his right humerus in his arm, attempted to ride Alberto Puig, went and, and he and Alberto Puig, his manager, decided to not ride, but he will re-riding uh, next week at Brno. Uh, but he's 50 points behind. So if number, if championship number seven is going to happen for Mark Marquez, he's going to have to uh, make up 50 points, and uh, it wouldn't be shocking if he does that. Um, Jack Miller, or I mean um, Jack Miller. I'm I'm thinking of Joe Roberts. I don't know how I mix one with the other, but Joe Roberts in the Moto Two class had uh, a rough weekend. Uh, there again, um, fell out, didn't uh, finish in the points uh, for the American Motor 2 team. As they go towards Brno, maybe it'll be a better opportunity for him in that uh, chassis as they go there uh, next race. Uh, we'll go to DTM. We'll be also uh, running their opener uh, this um, year at um, Spa. With the with the uh, issues that Audi is going to be leaving the championship at the end of the year, and uh, they only have BMW, uh, it looks like Gerhard Berger, former Formula One driver who runs the series ITM, that they're going to go to GT3 uh, spec cars, but it's to be determined what they're going to do. The uh, group. Uh, these uh, group one or whatever tier, whatever the hell they call them cars uh, transition between the Japanese super GT championship and uh, DTM uh, Japanese teams don't want to go and cross over. Uh, so we will see what happens to these cars. Basically DTM cars are like formula one cars with a body shell over them. So they're cool to see uh, hard drive and not a whole lot of, theoretical action but there is a little more body slamming uh you know relative to of course formula one and uh, the last part of the uh, roundup is the indycar series they announced the uh the the schedule and uh the, they're gonna they had to cancel laguna seca they had to also cancel portland obviously politics uh, and other crap um, going on, which is why 
um, IndyCar has to go and make those adjustments. Um, uh, Josh, I wanted to ask you, what do you think of, they're going to be double headers at mid Ohio, uh, next week, there'll be double header at uh, gateway, which has become one of the, uh, uh, flagship events of the IndyCar calendar. And then they'll be running another two races at the Indianapolis road course. Um, what are your thoughts of that, uh, announcement and, uh, what are you looking for in terms of Indy in that sense? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to have two doubleheaders at Mid-Ohio. Definitely going to be exciting uh, to see at Mid-Ohio. There's been a lot of uh, exciting races at Mid-Ohio the past couple of seasons. And the fact that we get uh, two races there is going to be very, uh, very interesting to see. And it'll probably go similar to what we saw kind of at Road America um, in terms of the racing product we got there, and probably we'll see kind of the same effect at, at Mid-Ohio. And Gateway has become definitely a, a flagship uh, event of the oval portion of the IndyCar series. And since they've returned to uh, Gateway the past couple of years, uh, after not being there for a long time, I've actually kind of liked uh, the racing um, there at, at uh, Gateway and the past couple of years, especially with the low downforce package that they have in the IndyCar series for um, their cars, it really uh, makes the dynamic of the racing um, very compelling um, as they fight their cars and and struggle through the corners with uh, the low downforce. And you know, the past couple of seasons it seems like we've had um, a lot of uh, great racing throughout the field um, at Gateway, and so I'm looking forward to having a, another doubleheader there and i think it'll be interesting to see um how that plays out we haven't really seen well we didn't see a uh, doubleheader with um iowa so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out again with the oval doubleheader and then a road course doubleheader um at mid ohio and then how the teams will adjust to that and they've said that the compressed schedule that they they've had has led to mistakes so now that they have more chances for double headers um we'll see if the teams are able to adjust to that now that they've had experience with it um and then another uh road course double or road course race at um at indianapolis like you said that that might be um uh, another chance for uh, guys to get a win there as uh, Scott Dixon had already won there. So it'll be interesting to see what um, happens with um, those races again at, at the road course. Yeah, I, I would hope that they would go and run the other way around, kind of like MotoGP. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case, but it, it's, it's a viable thing. They could go and do that and it would at least bring a little variety I don't think that's in play, unfortunately. Um, I think it would be great for NASCAR, too, with the Xfinity Series if they ran around the other way, uh, ran counterclockwise um, next year uh, during the July the 4th uh, weekend when they run the Brickyard 400, which kind of just makes me nauseous. It should be the first weekend of August like it was forever, um, but that's beside the point. Um, two races at Gateway, the short oval package with the Indy cars is really interesting, uh, really difficult to drive, but Gateway is one of the best racetracks they go to. It's so well-maintained. Curtis Francois, in terms of 
promoters. Um, he's one of the only private promoters because, of course, you have Penske involved with it with multiple racetracks. And he himself owns a series. You have Andretti. You have Green Savory um, with uh, Kim Green and uh, Kevin Savory, who used to own a part of uh, the what is now Andretti Autosport. Um, they have a bunch of tracks that have gotten canceled there, but they're still able to go and book old mid Ohio twice. And then they'll also have the St. Pete, which will be the fin the series finale this year. There's going to be a month gap. There'll be a bunch of races, uh, in August. Then there's going to be a month gap in September for some reason. Um, and well, I guess they'll say it's the NFL and then they're going to run the harvest grand prix. So they'll have, I think six weeks, and then they will uh, go and run, or no, they will go and uh, they'll they'll have a month, and then they will go uh, and have a couple of races, or they'll have a couple-week gap, and then run St. Pete for the finale before they go back to St. Pete in March for the 2021 uh, series uh, opener. Uh for the IndyCar series, and um, yeah, it's it. Uh, I hope for the they they have a good qualifying package at least for the ovals. You have to run both laps, and you have to be able to make two clean laps, which is hard in those cars. So that's going to make it interesting, to say the least. Um, and that'll make the gateway races intriguing for sure. It made Simon Pagano's weekend much more interesting, and he still won one of the races and finished in top five in the other. Uh, go and mention a little bit, you got Miles Rowe, who is um, somebody who Will Powers looking at as a talent, um, African-American driver for the race to equality and change test he ran at Indianapolis. Um, you look at Jimmy Johnson, who got to test a Ganassi car, today on uh, Tuesday the 28th and was completely overjoyed he's friends with Scott Dixon and he seemed to be very comfortable which means that the notion that he could possibly run a little bit more than road courses could be a thing uh, seven time could end up going and uh, becoming an in-car driver pseudo part-time next year we'll see what happens with that he definitely has the pull he definitely has the ability to get financing uh he's friends with a lot of elite people uh, scott dixon uh fernando alonso you talk about pendrick gordon uh zach brown ganassi and Wayne Taylor, he knows people. So the fact is, I think Jimmy Johnson is going to be running a lot of IndyCar races next year, um, whatever the case may be. Um, we also want to announce that uh, uh, Alex Zanardi, uh, who was injured in a, a hand bike accident, uh, has been updated a stable condition after a, the latest neurological procedure um, to for all the injuries he suffered in that accident. Um, he was moved out of the hospital to enter the rehabilitation center, 
went and went down, became worse, then got brought back to the hospital. Um, and uh, now he's uh, stable. Hopefully um, he will be able to uh, come back and uh, recover. Um, God bless to him and uh, prayers to his family at this time. Alex Zanardi's a hero of mine. Uh, I don't know for you, Josh, but he's a he's he's a freaking beast. Um, before his accident, his fa- his serious accident, and even after, he's been an inspiration to so many people, and he's just an awesome person. I hope he'll be all right. Um, yeah, we'll transition into uh, something else. We'll transition into the races this weekend. Uh, Formula One, Silverstone, Part One. Um, uh, simple. Uh, we'll start with um, who can stop Lewis Hamilton, and who do you look for um, if you didn't, if you weren't going to pick Lewis Hamilton? Who do you look for <laughs> for uh, this weekend's uh, race at Silverstone? Yeah, I think you have to look for guys like uh, Valtteri Bottas, uh, obviously the other Mercedes car that could always be a threat uh, against Lewis Hamilton. But you also, I think, maybe have to start taking a look at um, somebody like Max Verstappen. Uh, I think he's uh, shown a lot of pace for where he's run so far, and he's run very well in clean air. It just seems like um, they just haven't um, gotten all that they've um could get out of the Red Bull 16 chassis uh, this season in uh, Formula One, but I think uh, Red Bull is very confident in their abilities, and they I think they uh, believe that they can be better than Mercedes. Uh, it's just a matter of getting there um, for that team. It seems like they've got a lot of uh, aerodynamic issues right now that they need to resolve. Um, which is why they've had some incidents this year with Verstappen and Alex Albon. But I think they can resolve those issues and and possibly challenge Mercedes. Um, and if, if they can, maybe possibly um, this next upcoming race here. Um, so I, I think I conservatively, I probably would go with uh, Valtteri Botas just because he's basically got the same car and it's basically driver against driver. And, you know, it's a very exciting challenge, but, uh, I would also have to take a very hard look at um, Max Verstappen, and, and I probably would just go with uh, with Valtteri Bottas. I think overall. Yeah, it, for me, I, it's it's Lewis all day, every day. You know, you look at Silverstone, you look at his record uh, there. At uh, it's he, it's home, and and he's won so many times there um it's a it's a case of whether it, it's not if it's uh, and especially since you know he's jumped in the mercedes um but botas uh, max verstappen are definitely the two um the two guys that um could could really make uh, make it really difficult uh, for him um, to go and win this race. I I would also look at the the racing points 
um, to be someone that could go and stand out with Sergio Perez. Can Sergio Perez finally go and uh, win his first uh, Formula One race? Uh, he's in a position where he might lose his job to Sebastian Vettel. Um, can he go out there and pull an upset? Would Can Lance Stroll somehow or another, daddy's money, um, pull it out of his ass and and win his first Grand Prix? It, it wouldn't be out of out of the the possible out of the realm with the tracing points with the way they've been running uh, so far uh, this year and 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 to. Uh, be completely honest the, the the we've already seen where things lay and that kind of goes into the next bit um of of tracing point mclaren and ferrari and i kind of already set the tone in terms of what i said um what do you look at josh in terms of those teams uh who do you look for who do you think if if you choose tracing point, why? Or if not tracing point, who do you look for as uh, somebody that could go and make a, a splash this weekend in the first of two races at Silverstone? Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to go with racing point there. Like you said, they, they've they shown a lot of pace this year. And, you know, they surprised a lot of people with their pink Mercedes as uh, it's come to be. Uh, be known uh, in preseason testing obviously they've had some uh, questions with uh, the legality of their brake ducts and uh, the protests that they've faced against from uh, Renault uh, in this season but I think um, despite all of that I think they'll be the team to watch outside of um, Mercedes and Red Bull uh, we'll see how uh, how they finish um, here at Silverstone this weekend, but I think that you know at least one of their drivers, if not both, will uh, score in the points this weekend, and it'll be interesting to watch. And I think McLaren will probably be um, after them in terms of performance. Uh, we've kind of already seen what they can do in the um, the pace and also um, the ability of uh, for um somebody like lando norris to go out and and get the most out of his car um obviously he's uh gone through some physical um issues with some pain uh in the car throughout his races but it seems like that's improving for him so hopefully that's not an issue this weekend and his um body's adjusted to the uh, conditions during the race but i think um those teams certainly will uh, perform well, but I'm not really confident in Ferrari's ability to show good pace or good speed um, this weekend at all. And it's probably going to be another also round weekend for them. And that's just what their 2020 season is beginning to look like now. Yeah. Ferrari is going to have a hard time here in these next couple of races. And then when they run Catalonia as well, uh, for that race before they go on the summer break. Um, it's going to be very difficult for them to do anything. Leclerc is probably going to push, probably going to make mistakes. Vettel, we don't know where his head is at, so who knows what they're going to do. The car isn't there. Uh, the McLaren, uh, you know, Lando has been able, last lap Lando, he could uh, go and do something crazy. Science hasn't had 
uh, as strong of a year as I thought he would have. Um, I'm curious to see if he can go and kind of put something together in these next three races before the break. Um, of course, he's probably starting to wonder if he made the right decision or not leaving McLaren. Um, you also have to, I, I forgot about Renault. I think Renault's in that, that tier as well, right on the edge. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, Esteban Ocon are two guys aggressive to say the least. So they'll, you, whatever pace or opportunity they may have, they'll be able to show it. And if they don't have anything, we will see uh, in terms of the second race because they'll have the opportunity to recover in a sense. Um, I was thinking about how many races that uh, Lewis has won. What is it? Five, six. He's a six-time winner in uh, the British Grand Prix. So uh, going for eight if you can get both of them uh, here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the recent announcements, there's uh, the chan- the schedule, a lot of the flyaways, the North American races and South American races. I mean, Brazil, they haven't canceled outright yet, but I think that's going to happen. Um, Mexico uh, is definitely canceled. Canada is definitely canceled. U.S. is Grand Prix canceled. Um, which is a shame, uh, but of course, when you have a, a derelict uh, in leadership, you're going and you're not going to be able to have the kind of things. You're not going to have nice things. So you have we're going to run Mugello. Uh, they announced that a while back, but then Imola, which will be a return first time since 2006. Nurburgring first time in a while there. Uh, the and then Portimao in Portugal. What were your thoughts, Josh, on those tracks? If you've run them on the sim or what they've been like on there, or just in general uh, about those European tracks being added to the schedule as um, as fill-ins for some of the races that uh, we've lost um, for uh, this 2020 Formula One season. Yeah, and for I, I think out of all these tracks, I've done some not on iRacing, but I've done some stuff with Nurburgring. Um, I've done um, there's this game called Real Racing Three on mobile that I've played before, and Nurburgring's been one of my favorite tracks to play on there. Um, and I've definitely like like the uh, the changes between uh, the the straights and some of the turns is a very technical track but also um kind of a a long track and there's a lot of a lot of speed but also a lot of technicality in that in that place but uh, i think you're likely to see it really in general um to fill in races that get canceled they'll probably just stay in europe for the most part or in eurasia um if they go to other places like russia or um, if they return to China, um, that remains to be seen if they end up doing that or not. But it would be interesting if they do. Um, but I, I'm glad to see that they are adding at least Nürburgring. Um, obviously not the the classic circuit um, that they raced on in the 70s, but the, the new uh, circuit that they've had um, in the last uh, 20 years or so that they've gone to. But um, it's definitely... 
a very very exciting track to go to and watch um and Imola uh, is another place um that has a lot of history of formula one um and be good to see races there as well i've never never really seen any races at Mugello or um or uh, Portimao um so i'll be curious as um uh, they go to those racetracks and see how um, all those races play out. Um, but it, it will add some interesting dynamics to the um, schedule. And and um, at least at Nürburgring and Imola, maybe teams can draw back data and how, how they're able to um, set up and prepare for those races. But adding new races to make up for uh, old races that they're expecting to have on the calendar certainly does kind of throw a... A wrench um, into the bucket, I guess, um, for some of these teams. But I think, you know, definitely like top teams like Mercedes and Red Bull, I think they'll be able to prepare and adapt, and um, we'll likely see those those guys and maybe even like McLaren or Racing Point go out and dominate in the or you know run where they are expected to run in those races. Um, and you know, it's still. Obviously, with uh, this situation in COVID, is uh, very fluid, but we we'll see how, how how it plays out if they end up canceling more races, or if um, they're able to even add more races to the calendar. And, and I would like to see how how it all plays out. Uh, I mean, we still have we still have um, the Italian Grand Prix. I don't know if that's still on the schedule or not. Um, yeah, it is. Okay, so it is, and you know, obviously there are other races on the calendar that um, they they could cancel, but I don't know if they will. Yeah, there's going to be three Italian races on the calendar now, so you're going to have Monza, you're going to have Mugello, which will end up being I think Ferrari's thousandth race or some crap like that, and then they'll run Imola. They're going to run Germany at the Nurburgring instead of Hockenheim, which. Hockenheim's a shithole anyway um, after they basically desecrated the track because of Tilke and whatever. Uh, I'm interested to see what these cars do. Portimao is definitely going to be one. I I love Estoril. It's one of my favorite circuits in the world. It's one of the many reasons why I want to go and visit Portugal at some point in my life. Um, you know, they, the Algarve is where Ayrton Senna ended up living, um, until other than Monaco, he had his house out there and he was able to enjoy life and Portugal just seems like an amazing place. And I would love to drive around the Estoril circuit, which is where, um, Senna won his first career race in the rain in the turbo Lotus Renault and, beat everybody and lapped everybody but his teammate um and that's a a circuit but it's really tight it's definitely not a tier one circuit or whatever they call it um anymore but i would still rather watch them run there than some of the crappy tracks they go to now uh but portimao's wide it's definitely got a lot of elevation changes it's a challenge it's going to be that's going to be a good track i think that's the one of all the tracks that i think is going to really come out as being the best uh addition here nurburgring is a challenge um it's put on good races with where it is within the calendar i think rain's going to be a big key weather interchangeable weather is going to probably be a big key there 
um, the Italian races we will see. Um, Imola is definitely not the same as what it used to be, but um, that's been the case since um, Senna's passing. Uh, we'll move on to uh, New Hampshire. The um, if, what is it called? The whatever I think it's some Fox sort of casino 301. 301. Yeah, the Foxwoods 301 and um, Harvick's I think won three of the last four races there at New Hampshire. Um, Hamlin's won there multiple times, and outside of them, who stands the best chance of winning? Uh, I mean, I'd have to go in recent trends and maybe say somebody like Brad Keselowski. He's been kind of on a roll recently, and I think outside of uh, Hamlin and Harvick, I think he's got the best shot at winning uh, at New Hampshire. Yeah, Brad, Brad won there in the Reds' uh, Apple Ale car uh, in 2014, I believe. And, uh, he's, he's won there. It's, it's a track, it's a Penske track actually in recent years. Um, they been for, for winners. Um, you know, it started Rusty Wallace all the way back in the day. You know, Brad led, or was the fat, he had the fastest there. Uh, Gibbs, you have to go and give, uh, Kyle Busch is up there and you have to also look at martin truex one of his 17 home tracks they're sixth and seventh uh, in terms of best average finish uh, in terms of active drivers uh jimmy johnson we were talking about him earlier uh trying to get something to happen here is he's third 11.1 average finish um over his career at uh, New Hampshire, Hamlin and Keselowski. Um, Harvick has definitely improved in recent years. There, uh, four wins, and he has twelve top tens and twenty or twelve top fives and twenty top tens. And, and uh, so that'll be something to see. I mean, Hamlin, Harvick, definitely the best. Har- Brad Keselowski's won once there. Logano's won twice. Um uh, definitely run up front. It's 12 top 10, seven top fives. Uh, we will see. I think Blaney is someone to look at. When is he going to close? We've talked about it here. Josh has brought it up. When is he going to finally close? Can he go and do it on Sunday at New Hampshire after we've had the break and now he's got a Hooters girl as his girlfriend? Maybe he'll be a little bit happier. He'll be a little, have a little less pressure if you know what I mean. Um, We look at the 750 rules package being back this time instead of the 550 rules package. Um, What are you looking for in terms of like quality of racing, Josh? And then also who's the most likely non-playoff driver you think to go and kind of uh, have a chance to possibly win this deal? Yeah, I think with the 750 package this weekend at New Hampshire, I think maybe it'll improve the quality of the racing. Maybe we'll see more um, bumping up front, or at least the um, second place, third place driver, maybe even fourth, keep up uh, pace with the the leader. And we won't see the leader uh, drive away as easily in the past. um, And as they go throughout uh, the course of a, a tire run, a fuel run, 
maybe we'll see the second place driver um use the grip strip or um try to drive on to the apron or close to it and pick up time to the leader and uh try to ba- battle for the lead or um pass the leader um i think that's what you want to see for the cup series um, and actually i think um with the grip strip there that they implemented a couple years ago so i think this was one of the first tracks to uh get that enhancement so to speak i think um it was actually one of the few places where it's kind of worked uh to be quite honest with you and um i remember the 2018 finish i think that was the first race where we saw the grip strip and that was actually um a pretty decent deal with uh, i think it was the big three at the time and actually battling for the win with i think harvick coming out with that one uh couple of years ago and now looking here at this race with how the package changed in variation and now that we have uh, a little lower downforce with the 750 package maybe we'll get something similar to that what we saw a couple of years ago but I, I think for the cup series at new hampshire it'll be pretty decent obviously you know um there hasn't been a, a whole lot of great races at new hampshire in the cup series and really the only race that has put on anything remotely exciting is the the modifieds um because they run the restrictor plates there and they're able to use the draft and everything and and uh keep pace with each other um that's like the only time i've ever seen exciting racing at, at um at new hampshire and i think for a, a non uh playoff driver that um i'd probably look at as um probably tyler reddick uh you know he's um, had a lot of momentum on his side recently and I think uh, he's able to um, show the speed that he has and the pace that he has um, this season. I think he's going to continue that. And I think for the picks, I'm going to go with what I said um, when we started talking about New Hampshire. And I think I'll have to go with uh, Brad Keselowski. I think he's definitely been um, a guy that um, has kept up with uh, Harvick and Hamlin recently. Um, New Hampshire is a track that does suit him. He's performed well in the past, and he's won there in the past, and I think he'll score the win on Sunday. Well, I'd like that. That'll be a diecast. Another diecast I'll have to pay for, but uh, I'll take it. Um, I think, uh, but it, I believe it'll be chalk. I figure Harvick goes and gets another win there. Um, he's trying to, now there's a thing between him and Hamlin trying to go and one-up each other. I mean, definitely Harvick has the regular season points more than likely locked up, which will be 15 playoff points, which will be huge, uh, which will virtually let him coast, kind of like Kyle Busch did last year, into the Final Four. Another win wouldn't hurt him. Uh, I think he that's going to happen uh, on Sunday. I think Kevin Harvick gets another win uh, there. But in terms of a non uh play like a person that's on the uh, bubble i i rail against him uh, for many reasons and we could go and spend a lot of time as to why i don't really care for him but clint boyers won there before uh, a couple times and he's had multiple he's had other opportunities when ran out of gas it's a track that suits him it's a Stuart haas track whether it's Tony, whether it's Nonak, Kevin, you know, I, I, it's an opportunity for uh, Clint Boyer to go and and hold up his weight and go and lock himself into this playoff, lock himself into this chase. 
if it is in Kevin Harvick uh, on uh, Sunday. Uh, let's see. The uh, last thing before we go, we go and talk about Road America. The uh, IMSA WeatherTech Series will WeatherTech Sports Car Championship will be running at uh, the at Road America uh, this weekend, and uh, there's been a balance of performance changes for uh, this weekend's race, but. Um, yeah, I would ask Josh in terms of will it still be uh, because of what Road America is long straightaways mostly um, you have to run medium low to medium downforce is it going to be a Cadillacs and DPI and Corvettes and GTLM what are you looking for in terms of uh, Road America well, I mean, you have to go back to um, – well, I, I guess they're making changes again to balance of performance because, you know, when they made changes to that at Daytona, the Mazdas uh, in DPI class came out on top there, and then Corvette still won the uh, – in GTLM. So I, I think maybe it'll, it'll balance the shift back to, to Cadillac, um, but I think maybe Mazda might still uh, have a chance – at there so i almost want to say it's even but uh i might have to roll with cadillac um just because i i think maybe they have a little bit better um experience and in, in pace with um the low low downforce and and high horsepower tracks um and then in gtlm i think you'll just have to to roll with uh corvette um and uh corvette racing and and uh, that team, I think uh, they'll they'll probably uh, win it win it out uh, for the GTLM class. Porsche might come close. Um, maybe we'll see somebody like BMW, but um, probably not. Uh, I think overall, I think uh, Corvette um, and really it'll be a GM day. I think in um, the IMSA series at Road America. Yeah, it would be – I would be surprised if it isn't a typical Cadillac uh, Corvette deal. And I mean, it's not like your regular Corvette. I mean, they have a turbocharged engine in that Corvette, and it's mid-engine, so it's not your average freaking Corvette. So it's interesting to see them bring out a brand-new car and be able to perform the way they have so far. Um, especially post-pandemic, um, or post-COVID, I mean, it's not post-pandemic, post-COVID break. Um, they, but then when you consider Doug Feehan, Pratt and Miller, the drivers they have, you're, you really couldn't expect anything different there. They'll be on Big NBC uh, on Sunday afternoon uh, for this race as well. So that'll be cool to see uh what they're gonna be doing there and um they'll have uh you know you also have prototype challenge gt3 cup the michelin pilot challenge and then they'll be running uh the uh race for it'll be two and a half two hours and 40 minutes on uh, nbc and they'll also have the time to go and, and run. Um, the, they'll do the interviews and all that. 
I would I would look at Porsche definitely at at Road America for for them to finally get through here first time in a little bit. They had bad luck at Sebring, uh, but the pace is there, team is there, drivers. It's a very tough uh, battle in the uh, GTLM class with the three factories that are there. Um, I would like to see Mazda or Honda, the I mean the Acura Team Penske, uh, come up and try to win there at Road America. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, we will see what happens uh, on Sunday. Um, GTD, uh, the the we were talking about domination. The Lexus team, Amvasser Sullivan has had uh, a, a a good start restart uh since uh post-covid break uh, who do you look for um josh in terms of a somebody that if it isn't going to be the parker chase and jack hawksworth car um who who do you look for to possibly go out there and uh win in gtd oh well, yeah i think the team that you probably have to look at is somebody like um, Meyer Shank Racing with their Acura NSX cars and even their affiliate in Heinricher Racing. Uh, I think those uh, the, those teams they've been well. Meyer Shank has you know been uh, pretty successful in in sports car racing in the past, and I think you know they've had some success even with Acura and the GTD class overall since they went to Acura and um, you know they've. Um, one one in their class before, so I think right now, um, if you know if they can challenge um, at Road America, I think they'd be the team to challenge uh, in the GTD class. Yeah, it's um, and I don't want to go and pass over this. There'll be four LMP2s. A couple cars had to withdraw recently. Uh, the Starworks team had to withdraw. But um, there are still four cars in the LMP2 class. Uh, Dragon Speed uh, stands out with Hendrick Head, or Henrik Hedman and Ben Hanley. Um, and then you have uh, Performance Tech, PR1 Matheson, who ran last year, both of those teams, and Aero Motorsport. Uh, I definitely agree with you in terms of the Acuras. You look at the kind of talent that you have in those two um, MSR cars with uh, Mario Farnbarker and Matt McMurray in the 86, and then also Alvaro Parent and Misha Goitberg in the Heinricher uh, car. Those are very uh, low. Those are loaded cars. I'd also look at uh, the Scuderia Corsa WeatherTech Ferrari with. Uh, Cooper McNeil and Tony Vlander, the longtime combination now in a Ferrari. They're they're another one uh, with the straights and the low uh, downforce kind of package that they could run there um, that can go and stand out on Sunday. With that, uh, it is the end of this week's uh, Gripstrip podcast. Um, Josh, do you have anything going out? Want to promote uh, your socials or anything like that? Yeah, as usual, you can follow me at Twitter at uh, JP Huffine, H-U-F-F-I-N-E. Um, hit me up on there. Um, I'll 
hit you up back probably. Um, you can also find me on iRacing. Just look for my name, uh, Joshua Huffine. Um, or you can just hit me up on my Twitter and if you want to iRace me there or whatever. Right now I'm in uh, the Ovals trying to rank up to Class C. I won a couple of races last week at the Texas portion of that schedule. Um, haven't gone on in the last couple of days, but probably might start focusing on road and um, get experience there because that's um, where I'd like to do some more stuff there and get experience on that. Um, but, you know, just trying to, in general, trying to be a better eye racer and race clean. Um, and I think I'm starting to um, get better at that. But um, that's where you can hit me up. Yeah, so, yeah, he Josh wants to race clean, doesn't want to get into NASCAR's number one fan, Bernard Pollard, um, anymore. He's, and even Bernard Pollard's having some results, too, on iRacing. So definitely follow him on that. I'm, I'm feeling like a Twitch stream is going to end up happening. We're going to have to... I'm going to have to announce your races. It's going to be interesting. That would be cool. I think that would be a good cross-promote between the pod and then your driving and then me announcing while I'm going in and, and drinking beers. I think that could be a good cross-promotion there for the GSP. But um, I'm on Twitter at Philip G. Matthew. I'm also on Facebook. And uh, the Grip Strip Podcast is on Twitter at Grip Strip Pod. Uh, you can find us that way. You could also find us through our both either Josh or myself's Twitter, um, Facebook. We're on Podbean. We're on Apple Podcasts. Um, give us a like. Give us a listen. Let us know what you think, what you want us to go talk about. If you want us to go and chase somebody to go and interview, um, to go and get on the show, and we could go and do it a little different than what we usually do. We're all open. We're all ready for ideas. It's early days. It's a learning process. We're having fun, having a good time. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about F1 NASCAR IMSA and then whatever the heck else is going to be coming, MotoGP and other series. That'll be going on uh, the following week, and we'll talk about all that here on the Grip Strip Podcast. We thank you so much for listening to us. You have a good day, night, whatever, whenever you're listening, and uh, stay safe. Uh, wear a mask, wash hands, do the whole bit, and God bless. <laughs>